What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 144, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode Evolution, part two. Part two. Part two. Part three. We're so, wow. So... Sorry, <laughs> I, I, I I neglected to tell you, Zach. What we do, we do, we typically chit chat before we hit the record button, and I neglected to tell you that um, for a multitude of reasons, and this is going to probably cause you to gasp horrifically. And I'm sorry to be doing this on the air, but um, I have decided to start meaningfully reduce the amount of coffee that I drink. Oh, uh huh. To the point of that today was I didn't I haven't had any coffee, so. We'll see. Well, we'll see how this goes. Okay, I um, am finishing up my second cup of coffee now. Mm, yeah, I think I'm gonna get some decaf coffee, which is like you know when I was a kid, a kid when I was in my twenties, I'd be like, why, why are you drinking decaf? Ugh, just get some high octane caffeine. Just, 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 just have direct caffeine injections. Yeah, and now I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I, I still like coffee, but um, anyway. Yeah, there you go. There's, there's my little story, and you friends. You can hear these kinds of little anecdotes because we're an independent podcast. We don't have an ad read. We don't have somebody going over our shoulder going, you know what? You need to really tighten this thing up because I need more time for my uh, my my tire shine commercial for your thing. Uh, no, they can't do that because uh, we don't uh, we don't do the ad thing and we're not part of any network and we're not part of any blue blue. But friends, if you want to support our little project, you can. Just like everybody else out there, we've got a Patreon. So you can go to patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. And if you wish, you can support the show at a multitude of levels. At certain levels, you get perks. Zach will tell us a little bit about that in a bit. Uh, but you also have the ability to listen to our Patreon-first audio content. We've got Stargate, the other side of the... No, we've got the other side of the gate of Walking Through the Stargate podcast, where Zach and good friend of the show, David, talk about things that are generally thematic, mostly spoilery. It made a ton of sense back when we were first starting this project did not have me anywhere near those conversations as we're getting closer to the end of it though right like you know I mean, how many spoilers are there left i mean maybe there's probably several more you all you all know i don't that's part of the charm of the show uh another part of the charm of the show is that we do another podcast stargate second chances uh zach and i rewatch episodes based off of your votes and then on that rewatch we give new thoughts and new ratings and uh, what's been happening lately is that we have had some really interesting conversations about these rewatches yes we have both with both within the context of the series but also as episodes themselves it's been a lot of fun uh i've had a ton of fun on that project and then another project that i am it's, it's true i'm having fun with this one although i gotta tell you it, it's it's the kind of fun that you have when you eat white castle you know, it's, it's like, wow, this isn't as bad as I thought. It. And then you think about it for a little while longer and then you're like, actually, I feel worse about it now. Uh, Stargate Infinity, we lost a bet uh, because our Patreon support continues to be at $75 a month. We are continuing to uh, do this crazy project where we watch the non-canonical animated series and review it and give our thoughts about that. Uh, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun. Partly because, you know, I mean, it's not that good. We're we're only, we're not even very far into it and I'm already making that sentiment. We got a long way to go. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> but if you want to listen to all that stuff like right now, you can do that on Patreon. Sign up at any level. Bang, you're in. Uh, if you don't want to support the show or cannot support the show, both are valid. The good news is that we put these things in our main feed all the time. Uh, we did it just last week. Uh, and so anytime that life throws us a curveball and we got to take a break or we just want to take a break or whatever, if we've got something in the can that is ready to release... Uh, we, we we sent it on out. So you will always be able to hear all of our stuff on the main feed. No worries about that. And if you got a friend or a family member or a, a bitter enemy or a just a person that you have no idea you just met uh, and they say things like, I, you know, I really wonder how I can get more Stargate podcasts. You can be like, hey, I've got great news. You can find this wonderful podcast called Walking Through the Stargate on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. And you can investigate and utilize the brilliance of podcast aggregators and in any of them. Pretty much, you can type in walking through the Stargate and we'll show up. Or that, that you know, whatever. You, you are talking to a, you, second person, are talking to a third person. And so uh, this conversation didn't make any sense when I said us. Anyway, I'm rambling. Uh, they can find us on podcast aggregators. Hey, Zach, if a person wants to let us know that, <laughs> that maybe coffee sharpens my mind and doesn't per- keeps me from rambling so much, uh, how might they reach out and uh, let us know? So if you have the perfect way of getting Brent a sharper mind without having to drink drugs... Um, <laughs> It's true. Then you can email us at walking through the stargate and let us know. Uh, that is W A L K I N G T H R O U G H T H E S T A R G A T E at wow. gmail.com. That was that was like a machine. That was that was as if you were in some kind of of suit that enhanced your abilities and you were just machining through any obstacle that was in your path. You know, there there were a couple of spots in there where I really had to think about what was the next word and then getting my mouth to work and all of that stuff. <laughs> and I managed it. Um. I can't see you, but I absolutely could hear how you just totally just in infl- just your mouth was working really oh, hard. Just yeah. a second. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it, it was definitely. I was enunciating all of those letters very all carefully so letters. that I did not accidentally miss one <laughs> because I would not want you to try to send something to walking through the Stargate and and that would just be a problem. <laughs> Walking through a cluster. <laughs> Hairball. Um, you can, of course, talk to us on Twitter at Stargate Walking or go to Facebook and join us on the Facebook page, Walking Through the Stargate, or the Facebook group, also Walking Through the Stargate. You can go to our website, WTTS.space. Space! Uh, where you can find a link to our Discord and join us there on the Discords and have fun conversations about Stargate things and non-Stargate things and all of those fun things. Yes. Um, or, of course, you can go to Patreon, as Brent was talking about. Last night, Brent, David mm. and I finally got together and we recorded <gasps> The Other Side of the Gate, Episode 8. Oh, congratulations! I know! It was, oh, it was Yeah. This, so, was a, this was an epic journey. Yeah. This was almost, you almost needed to have like a three book series written about this, this, ep- this episode podcast recording. Well, yeah, because I mean, it'd been <laughs> so long since we'd done anything. Um, there and, back and, and as you mentioned, Brent, uh, we are getting to a point where the spoilery things are less spoilery. And so yeah, I sure. think the other side of the gate is going to begin to turn a little bit and become something that is 
you know, I mean, we're not going to worry about spoilers. So we'll still talk about those things as they come up and all that stuff. But um, just kind of Stargate stuff. I um, suppose you could start turning your gaze to Atlantis. Well, uh, we have been actually. You know, when oh, we when we okay. talk about, uh, in fact, yesterday's episode was all about the the trek to Atlantis. So what was some mm, of the stuff that, mm-hmm. that led in the production stuff into there? And then how did that affect the storyline? And, and what were the threads that were pulled and yanked and used oh, to man. tie up uh, and that bring us super to interesting. Atlantis? Um, <sighs> yeah. Kind of. So, so then what I'm going to have to do after we have... Uh, after we have completed the entirety of this project, whenever that is, um, because yeah, Amazon finally finished their purchase of MGM, and yes, uh, who was it? Was it Joseph Malazzi yeah. posted on Twitter? Stargate Redacted, episode yeah. one hundred and one, written by yeah. Brad Wright. Right. So we are getting hopefully a new series, at least a, a new script that is actually being written, and it's called Stargate Redacted. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? I think that would be fun. It, you know, it would be fascinating. Um, and well, I mean, like, like the 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 premise. Of course, you know, I mean, I'm literally just pitching into the wild wind right now. But like, you know, like the like 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 something something happens, and like the entire Stargate program has to go like like super under like crazy underground, like extra governmental underground. That that'd be fascinating. Stargate redacted. Yeah. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, so here, here's the interesting thing. It's like yesterday we were talking, uh, David and I were talking about this, and uh, I tossed out Stargate redacted, and he's like, no, it's not actually redacted. And I'm like, no, you know what? As far as I'm concerned, it's Stargate redacted <laughs> until such otherwise. Uh, and then we started talking about what a Stargate redacted uh, would actually be. <laughs> oh. All right, friends. So, so uh, undoubtedly, Dave is going to get that thing mixed in post to sent to me soonish, and then I'll have that up on Patreon before too long. And as a result, uh, you know, let me pitch it one more time. Hey, you can join the Patreons, and you can get right at that stuff. So, I was going to say, Zach, once yeah. we get all the way through this whole process, I'm going to have to go back <laughs> and find those. You know, well, I could totally listen to it, whatever. You know, what I'm saying, like, yeah. go to all those old uh, um, other side of the gate episodes and be like, oh, that's where that. Oh, that's a great point. Oh man, it's so cool! Indeed. So, dear listeners, if you have any thoughts about what uh, what Brent, what David and I can talk about <laughs> um, for the other side of the gate, that might not be explicit spoilery things, but like you know, just Stargate stuff that we can chew on, uh, let us know. Um, you know, Discord, email, all those things, uh, mm-hmm. and and uh, we'll we'll definitely consider it and probably run with it if there's stuff there to it. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, Brent, mm-hmm. I think it is time to dig into Evolution Part 2. Yes. I'm ready to dig into this. Are you ready? Yes. All right. So the director for this episode was Peter DeLuise. Uh, this is his sixth of seven directing credits this season. He did Fragile Balance, Orpheus, Lifeboat, Enemy Mine, and of course, last week's Evolution Part 2. And by last week, I mean two weeks ago because we skipped last week, you know. Yes. As we do. <laughs> but hey, I mean, later you're going to say about the original air date, they skipped a couple months. Or that's true. Months. That is that's very true. true. Uh, the story was by Damien Kindler and Peter DeLuise, and the teleplay was uh, Peter DeLuise. Uh, this is his third of four writing credits. He did Orpheus and Enemy Mine, and he's got one more coming up. Mm-hmm. All right. We've got a whole host of guest actors to talk about. 
starting with Carmen Argenziano, who plays Jacob Carter and Selmac, mm-hmm. Tony Amendola playing Braytech, that is mm-hmm. our podcast's very own. Our podcast's very own, Tony Amendola. Tony Amendola. Mm-hmm. We've got Bill Dow playing Dr. Bill Lee. Mm-hmm. We've got David Palfi playing Anubis. Mm-hmm. We have Zach Santiago reprising his role of Rogelio Duran. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Dan Payne reprising his role as the Cole Warrior. Mm-hmm. And we have Frank Roman reprising his role as Raphael. Mm-hmm. All those guys are from last week. We add to this cast. Uh, we'll start with Victor Fevrin, who plays mm-hmm. Chalo. Uh, this is... Uh, the uh, the guy who is shot by Raphael and comes back to life again. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born in Spokane, Washington, to a Puerto Rican mother and an Italian father. He moved to New York at the age of four, and he grew up in Spanish Harlem, where he studied music, uh, guitar, percussion, and the like. His family then moved to Canada in 1976 at the age of 15, and he continued to play music and played with various rock and roll bands. Mm -hmm. Uh, He began acting in 1988, getting roles on various locally shot productions up in Canada, always playing the bad guy Latino roles and doing his own stunts. Mm -hmm. And he continues his career in action acting and is always ready for action. This is a mini-bio written by Rick McDonald, and I have no idea who Rick McDonald is, but thank you very much for writing that. Yes. Um, As implied there, uh, Victor's uh, career uh, has been mostly as a stunt guy, doing various and sundry things. Um, So that's pretty cool. And, and of Mm -hmm. course, in this episode, uh, he does a lot of his own stunts for that. Uh, his first IMDb credit came in tw- uh, 1989 in the series 21 Jump Street, mm-hmm. uh, which is Peter DeLuise's own series, right? He was the star of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did his own stunts, Victor did, in the episode Locked Out Part 1. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So that was Victor. We now have Enrico Colantono. Colantoni. I- mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he plays Burke, mm-hmm. um, yeah. right? Uh, he was born in 1963 in Toronto, Ontario. Mm-hmm. He is an actor and producer known for Galaxy Quest. Mm-hmm. He was in Veronica Mars and mm-hmm. AI, Artificial Intelligence. He was also in uh, Don't Shoot Me, which was airing at about the same time as this episode aired in, mm. in the early 2000s. Um in fact, I recognized him when he came on, when I first watched this episode. I'm like, oh, hey, that's the guy from Don't Shoot Me. Uh, I, I didn't really watch it per se, Don't Shoot Me. Um, but I, I saw a few episodes here and there, and I recognized him from there. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, he attended Yale University's uh, drama school, and he graduated then from the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in 1985, and he has had a very long and very successful career being in a lot of different shows and such. Mm-hmm. His first IMDb credit came in 1987 with the TV series Night Heat, and uh, he played the wise guy in the episode The Wise Guy. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he was just in the episode The Wise Guy. I don't know. I didn't. So there you go. But that was his first. <laughs> but he was there. He was, was the there. Uh, we now have Ian Marsh, who plays 
Thoth. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born in 1966 in Canada. He's an actor known for Stargate. Along came a spider and Andromeda. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of credits, only about 20 or 22 credits or so, 25 maybe, uh, on IMDb. His last credit came in 2007, uh, where he played a small role in the pilot Flash Gordon, a modern space opera. Nice. That was his last one. His first mm-hmm. IMDb credit was in 1996 mm-hmm. uh, in the TV series The X-Files. Mm-hmm. He played mm-hmm. co-worker and uncredited role in the episode Musings of a Cigarette Smoking Man. <laughs> that's, that's what we got. Oh, yeah. Good. And then we have Miguel, Miguel uh, Castillo. Who plays mm-hmm. Pedro? This is be the uh, the second guide after Rogelio mm-hmm. is no more. Uh, he is an actor known for Superman and Lois, uh, which is that 2021 series on CW. Uh, mm-hmm. Brazen, which is a brand new series, and I don't know anything about it. And also, mm-hmm. he was on uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow in 2016. Mm-hmm. He had three credits in 2003, including this episode. And then he had an acting break of many years until 2019 when he started back up again in the acting world, um, including a 2021 guest spot in the TV series Kung Fu. What? But it's the 2021 one. It's the 2021 one. Oh, which, but still. Uh, yeah, but I, you still. Know, there you go. Um. I, mostly what he was doing, I think, in his career has been uh, music video and dancing and all sorts of that stuff because his first IMDb credit came. Um, I don't actually have a specific date. I must have not typed it in. Anyway, it was Shania Twain's Thank You Baby uh, music video. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was a dancer in that, and that's his first credit. Nice. So. There we go. Those are our, our actors for this episode. Mm-hmm. The original air date for this episode was January 9, 2004, in the U.S., mm-hmm. and in the U.K., it was December 15, oh, 2003. Ah, dang it. Yeah, I know. You told me they were going to do this, but yep, whatever. Yep, right, yep. So, so for the second half now of season uh, seven, we will have different air dates in, Dece- in the U.K. and the U.S., Mm-hmm. Ah, so, but now, the number one in the charts, this is for the January 9th date in 2004. Uh-huh. Um, in the U.S., they were listening to Hey Ya! by Outkast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a good jam. I, I don't Still is a good jam. jam. Or maybe I do, and I just don't know I do. You, yeah. you know it. This okay. is definitely another one of those things. Believe me, it hasn't gone in. It has not gone away. Okay. It comes up all the time, and I'm like, this is almost 20 years old, and people then slide slugging it. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. Anyway, in the UK, they were listening to Mad World by Michael Andrews featuring, featuring Gary Jules. Oh, yeah. And, I know that one. And I don't know that one either. Yeah, it's a Tears for Fears remake, if I remember right. Cover. It's a cover. Ah. Uh, well. But it's really... Like mellow and dramatic. It's like from um, oh, what's that one movie? Uh, oh my gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Whatever, bunny, crazy bunny situation, airplane falling out of whatever. People, pe- y- y- who out y- y'all who know, you know. 
Everybody okay. else, you don't know. Well, as as we are undoubtedly jamming to some very nice Mad World musics, you know where else there's a Mad World? This seems to be in the world of the Lord of the Rings. Uh, the oh. Return of the King. You know, you got Moria and all of that stuff, which is definitely a chaotic place. Oh, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that there is in the Return of the King are giant elephants. They're called oliphants. And they're mm-hmm. really big. And you know what else yes. is big? A big, big fish. A big fish is big. <laughs> and that was a really bad joke. And don't worry, because I've got dozens of other jokes, and they're all cheaper if you get them by the dozen. Oh, gosh. Oh, terrible. Yes. And, you know, when you hear me do cheap jokes like this, you figure I've got to bury this man and i got to find a cold, cold mountain to do it. (laughs) Uh Uh And you need some help with that, right? You need some help burying a body in the cold, cold mountain. And so you turn to your baby's daddy for help. But I am my baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, okay. Okay, fine. Oh, funny. Nice. There you well go. Well done. That was a good one. All right. I, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Anyway, what was happening at the very beginning of 2004? Mm-hmm. Well, I was in Japan living there. Uh, yes. So there you go. <laughs> that, that was me. Um, However, um, we, you and me, uh, we're, we're, we're still a year and a half out from this moment, but... Uh, we're getting close to the time where uh, where, where, where you and I first met each other. That's true. We haven't met yet. Not not yet. No. Um, but we still got we still got uh, yeah a year and a half year and a half. Yep. Yep. Um, anyway, so on January third, after hosting the show for over thirty years, Casey Kasem gives up the hosting duties of American Top Forty to Ryan mm-hmm. Seacrest. Mm-hmm. So good night, Casey. Hello, Ryan. Did you have any... So you were away when Ryan Seacrest's star went from, like, wait, who? To, like, he was literally on everything. Everything. So he was the host of American Idol when American Idol started. Yep, yep. And then all of a sudden he became the host of Top 40 and, like, a billion other things all at once. Yeah, I was um, not really in that loop. I was... Uh, getting most of my um, American media through um, streaming platforms mm-hmm. of the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very tiny images. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, roughly, uh, you know, 400 megabytes per 45-minute TV show. That's extremely small. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Low quality. You know, uh, you know, it wasn't actually that bad, but uh, you it know, was it was, enough. it was, you know, I mean, it's not like HD now, no, no but, no. but anyway, um, also on January third, flight six hundred four, a Boeing seven thirty seven owned by Flash Airlines, an Egyptian airliner, plunges into the Red Sea, killing all one hundred forty eight people on board. Yeesh. Yeesh. Yeah. Um, a little bit happier news on January fourth. Spirit, a NASA Mars rover, lands successfully on Mars at 4.35 UTC. Uh-huh. And then it just that. kind of runs around and it does its thing. Oh, it did a thing and it for sends a its information long back. time, man. Yes. For a very long time. Yeah. 
A few days later, on January 8th, the RMS Queen Mary II, the largest passenger ship ever built, is christened by her namesake's granddaughter, Queen Elizabeth II. Nice. Uh, now, on January 12th, just a few days later than that, the world's largest ocean liner, the RMS Queen Mary II, makes its maiden voyage. So it's christened on the 8th, and four days later, it sets sail. Toot toot. <laughs> and finally, on January 11th, one day before the RMS <laughs> Queen Mary 2 makes its maiden voyage, the infamous 4th and 26 occurs, trailing the Green Bay Packers by three in the NFC Divisional Playoff game. Philadelphia Eagles face a 4th down and 26 yards on their final drive. Donovan McNabb hits Freddie Mitchell for 29 yards, mm -hmm. and the Eagles are able to tie the game and then go on to win in overtime. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. I wonder if the person who missed the assignment still thinks about that play to this day. Uh, probably. Mm-hmm. Probably. <laughs> Which is a terrible thing to say, but there you go. Well, I mean, let's be honest, though. I mean, you know, there are... Hundreds of busted plays in oh, yeah. big moments, um, and and those guys who experience those, you know, are I mean, if if they're even remotely like me, will be haunted by that for 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 years and years, and then and then yep. they'll they'll not worry about it, and then it'll pop up into their heads and just eat at their soul. Yeah, you remember that one time that you totally missed your assignment, and the guy went under get twenty nine yards, and then the team won. Yeah. Didn't that suck? <laughs> oh, and, and, and did you realize, do you remember that time, like, three months later when you got fired? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, ouch. The harsh, harsh world of professional sports. Oh, it is terrible. It is pretty terrible. Um, okay. Now, we have some trivia. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the tiger stripe camouflage uniform that O'Neill wears during his mission in Central America mm -hmm. is actually the same one worn by the alternate universe SG-1 in the season one episode there, but for the grace of God. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, then the device Daniel goes looking for is suspected to have the potential to heal and maybe the source of the Fountain of Youth myth, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the leader, the lead antagonist is called Raphael, which is a name uh, of Hebrew origin, which means God has healed. Oh, interesting. So that's just kind of an interesting little tidbit there. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I am curious, desperately curious, if Damien Kindler and or Peter DeLuise or whomever actually picked it for that reason, or if it's just a happy coincidence. I bet you it's a happy coincidence. I, it, I probably, but it is a, it is kind of a happy coincidence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then, of course, the Gould scientist working on the Cold Warriors is Thoth, who is the Egyptian god of knowledge. Oh, cool! Yeah, that's a nice tie-in. Yeah, and now I have a quote here from uh, Joseph Malazzi. He says. Our, you know, our podcast's very own Joseph Malazzi. Uh, the, the pod, Walking Through the Stargate's very own Joseph Malazzi. <laughs> as much as I didn't love the super soldier, I was all over the zombies that stalk the jungles of Nicaragua. Nicaragua. 
uh, Vancouver woods with a little help from our greens department. I was is. noticing the exact same sets of plants over and over oh, and yeah. over again. <laughs> it's like, hey, there's that same plant with the same leaves. Like exactly. drooping yeah. in the same way. Yes. <laughs> Still, they do a good job, even with that. Oh, they do oh, a good job. Oh. It, it, it worked, and yet it totally didn't work because of the pine forest, but it totally worked. Because, you know, whatever. You know, there you go. Uh, anyway, uh, he continues. Speaking of tearing it up, director Peter DeLuise does a brilliant job here with the action. Particularly one shot that sees the zombie Chalo being blown apart. Big the other guys felt it was too visceral. Uh, and that is to say, pretty damn goopy. Yeah, is what they goopy. were. Uh, I didn't see the problem with it. Uh, it was a zombie, after all, not a human being. I mean, it's perfectly acceptable to decapitate robots on screen. Mm-hmm. I think the same logic <laughs> would apply. I was overruled. Oh, so the blowing up scene was even more goopy. I mean, honestly, when I watch the, the, the blowing up scene, uh, what I see is like, he's like, rah, rah, rah. And then it yeah, turns and you turns, just see an explosion and you yeah, bear, you can't hardly even tell that there was a person right there in that spot. No, but but it was a pink mist. Yeah. Well, fair enough. But, yeah. you know, Joseph. So it was originally filmed with something more goopy and they toned it down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, this episode, Evolution Part 2, in uh, various languages, was Evolution Part 2. Except for the French, who uh-huh. called it the Fountain of Youth Part 2. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, you know, Keep I mean, they simple. called it the Fountain of Youth Part 1, so you might as well. Yep. Um, there you go. All right. Are you ready, Brent, for the synopsis of this episode? Yes. Let's dig into this. All right, let's do this. Previously on Stargate SG-1, Anubis creates a new soldier animated from dead tissue and a blank slate gold. Jacob Carter figures that he used an ancient healing device to animate said super soldier. SG-1, Jacob, Braytag, and some Jaffa manage to trip their way into capturing one of these soldiers. And since the soldier is not too bright, he the soldier accidentally gives up to us Earthlings, the location of his home planet called Tartarus. Meanwhile, Dr. Daniel Jackson and Dr. Bill Lee travel to Honduras to find the origins of the Fountain of Youth mythology, that is to say, the ancient device that Telchek and ancient gold conveniently left on Earth for us thousands of years ago. They find the device, but then are captured by guerrilla troops who take them hostage. And now, the conclusion. In the guerrilla camp, Dr. Daniel Jackson is questioned by their leader, Raphael. Tell me what I want to know, I will, or I will use this really dangerous-looking electrical torture device on you. But this is old hat for Daniel. He's been tortured before, and he refuses to give up any meaningful information. Raphael tosses him back into the cell uh, that he shares with Dr. Lee, and he snags Lee so that they can chat. After all, everyone needs an opportunity being zapped with a car battery. <laughs> I'll Suf- pass. Oh, of course. Suffice it to say, Dr. Lee spills the beans. Mm-hmm. Back at the SGC, Hammond tells O'Neill that the State Department has received an official ransom demand for the safe return of Jackson and Lee. But... The State Department has no plans to pay the ransom, and so O'Neill suggests that they 
send in a small extraction team to get their people out of danger. I mean, they've done it before, so why not now? O'Neill will be heading to Central America, where he'll meet up with a CIA agent named Burke. Apparently, O'Neill and Burke have history, but since there is no choice in the matter, there is nothing that needs to be noted right now. Before O'Neill departs, he says goodbye to Carter, and they share a look that make the shippers shiver with anticipation. Time to plan their attack on Tartarus. Unfortunately, they have a shield around the gate, and sensors and shields around the planet. They can't get through the gate, and they can't fly there undetected, but... Don't worry, there's still hope. Selmak volunteers to wear the Cold Warrior armor and walk through the gate. I mean, we saw the warrior walk through our own force fields when we were trying to capture him on, you know, uh, Remius's planet or whatever it was. So mm-hmm. naturally, this armor will protect him when he goes through uh, Anubis's force field on Tartarus. So, duh. Samantha is not too happy about her dad risking himself in this way but accept that he's going to do what he's going to do, and so she really can't argue, and so she's okay with it. Now, the plan continues. Once he gets through the force field on Tartarus, he can then disable the sensors around the planet so that Teal'c, Braytek, and Samantha can fly a Teltec in there and deposit the team so they can do stuff. Once they're there, they will do some reconnaissance and hopefully end the threat of Anubis' soldiers once and for all. With this cockamamie plan... Hammond says, you guys go right ahead and do that. It'll be fine. In Honduras, O'Neill meets Burke. Burke is a little nuts. The tension between the two is thicker than a thick river of molasses. Burke fills in the details about what's been going on. Basically, Nicaragua is granting free passage to anti-Honduran extremists, and Jackson and Lee are likely being held just across the border in some sort of anti-Honduran extremist camp. The two begin sniping at each other about their past. Apparently, Burke was discharged from the military for accidentally shooting and killing a fellow soldier, a friend of both O'Neill and Burke, named Woods. Burke blames O'Neill for not testifying on his behalf. O'Neill insists that he didn't witness the shooting, so he couldn't back Burke up. They argue, neither is happy, the other is there. Though, we do get kind of a sense that maybe Burke was hoping from, for something from O'Neill, but O'Neill doesn't give it, to, give it to him. O'Neill insists that Burke will only be a guide on this process, but that doesn't sit well with Burke, and so he walks off. Well, with nothing left to do, O'Neill hires a local guide instead. Meanwhile, in the rebel camp, Lee is returned to the shack where he is imprisoned with Dr. Jackson and tells Jackson that he told the gorillas all he knew. Raphael then begins to play with the ancient device and eventually finds the activation button and turns it on. It begins to glow. You know it's on because it's glowing. That's just how things work like this. Mm -hmm. right? Back at the SGC, Jacob puts on the armor and walks through the gate to Tartarus. Fortunately, he is able to walk straight through the force field because if he wasn't, this would be a very short episode. Splat. He is met there by Thoth, a ghoul nerd. That is, according to the director during the commentary, you know, Thoth, the ghoul nerd, who takes uh, Carter to the laboratory for examination. 
Now, before the exam can get very far, Anubis himself, the big bad guy of big bad guys of the show right now, enters and needs Thoth to thaw some things that only Thoth can thaw. <laughs> I need you to Thoth. Well, lucky for you, Lord Anubis, uh, my name is Thoth. Yes, that's why I came here. Yes. Thoth. Thoth. You think I'm an idiot, Thoth? No, 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 Lord Anubis, you're not an idiot, Thoth. Thank you, Thoth. Thoth. Get Thothing. Thoth the Thoths. Anyway, <laughs> they depart, and Jacob is now free to roam about the complex. Meanwhile, Samantha, Teal'c, and Braytac are waiting on the dark side of Tartarus's moon, waiting for the sensors to be shut down. Samantha mutters some things about her father being too stubborn for his own... and about all the things that could have gone wrong. And then, all of a sudden, the sensor array goes down, and they are free to fly about the planet. Huzzah! Huzzah! In Honduras, O'Neill and his guide find Telchek's temple where they meet Burke again, who has been there for forever. No, just kidding. He just got there ahead of him. Burke is a little more conciliatory this time, and he has thought things over, and he wants to help. But this is the end of the road. They found Dr. Jackson and Dr. Lee's GPS trackers. Where else are they going to go? Burke thanks O'Neill's guide and gives him a big wad of money and lets him leave. O'Neill is not willing to give up and insists that they continue to search the trails for his friends. Because, because. Mm -hmm. Burke and O'Neill therefore head out into the jungle of Vancouver. They run across Rogelio, who had been shot in the previous episode, but since he was such a delightful character, he's not quite dead. <laughs> Too nice to be gone. I know. He informs O'Neill and Burke that the rebels took Jackson and Lee across the border and points the way. Yep, you're on the right path. It's that way. Just keep going that way. You know, down the corner, around, you know, when you get to the big tree that's next to the other tree, turn left and you'll be just, just a few clicks away. Don't worry, Rogelio. Yes, you've been shot. Yes, you've been lying in the jungle for several days now. And yes, we're going to leave you here for... Whoever knows how long, but trust us, we called somebody and somebody's coming along after us to help you. You'll be fine. Really, you'll, you'll be fine. Spoiler, we won't see him again, but he is rescued <laughs> and he will, in fact, be fine. Oh, good. Oh, good. It is mentioned briefly at the very end that he was fine. Yes. All right. Uh, the whole idea there is that since they needed the actor to be dead... And he had to pay the actor the, the day's fees for being dead or being alive. And since he was a delight, they figured, you know what? Let's just have him be alive. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? This is not the first time I've been shot. <laughs> yes, but I have been lying here for days. this the first time you have been bleeding out in the jungle? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Allow me to interrupt for just a second. It made no sense. But anyway, carry on. It was delightful, but you're right. It, it didn't. It didn't make sense. No. Um, so, while they are walking through the jungle, O'Neill and Burke get into it again about Woods and what happened in their past. Burke tells O'Neill that Woods was really a traitor. He'd gone bad. He was a rogue. He was going to turn him in. Oh, bad, bad. Now, Burke shot him before he could ruin the mission, which I guess is a good thing. But he kept it quiet. 
He kept it silent. He didn't reveal uh, Woods' traitorous ways because, you know, they were all friends. They were all family. They were, their wives hung out. And, you know, Woods' wife would have lost her safety net from his pension if, if he had been revealed as a traitor. And, you know, Burke wasn't going to do that to her. That would be awful. And so he took the blame and ended up in Honduras. Yep. Yep. In the rebel camp, Jackson is once again questioned about Telcheck and the device by Raphael. Raphael reveals that he has activated the ancient device and he feels better than he has ever felt in his life. This is awesome! Jackson pleads with him to shut it down. It's dangerous, but Raphael refuses. However, one of his cohorts, I, I love that word, cohorts. <laughs> cohorts. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you like that. I'm glad you like the word cohorts. Yeah. You know. So one of Raphael's cohorts, Chalo, is also feeling a little uneasy about the use of this ancient device, and tells Raphael to shut it off, or he will. In response, Raphael shoots and kills him. Wow, that's rude. Mm-hmm. On Tartarus, Jacob opens the doorway so that Teal'c and Samantha can sneak into Anubis's base. While there, they find a ghouled queen symbiote, which is creating larvae without the genetic memory of normal ghouled, much like what the Tok'ra queen Egeria did while she was imprisoned on Pangar. Tilk supposes that Anubis got this idea when he probed Jonas's mind way back at the beginning of Season 7. Well, they can't let this continue, so they plant some C4 onto the tank of the ghouled queen to prepare and to prepare to blow it up at the appropriate time. When in doubt, C4. The three heroes... Kaboom. Kaboom. The three heroes continue to search through the base when they find a room with thousands of super soldiers. How many could there be? Oh, at least a handful. Well, this is more than a handful. We got thousands and thousands of these things. Hail Anubis! They are ready to be deployed deployed throughout the galaxy at Anubis's whim. Hail Anubis! <laughs> Thoth surprises the three, but Tilk zats him. But he still seems to be going, so Amantha just shoots him several times with her gun, killing him. <laughs> Alarms begin to blare. <laughs> Time to go. Hey, uh, uh Braytac? Braytac, yeah, can you come pick us up right now before the cops come and arrest us? That'd be great. Thanks very much. So Braytac comes. They set the C4 off, killing the ghouled queen. And they rush out the complex. Several super soldiers are in pursuit. They come. They make it to the Teltac. And Braytac takes off. Unfortunately, one of the soldiers manages to get on board the Teltac. Oh, no. A tussle ensues. Samantha gets clobbered in the face by a super soldier backhand. Tilk gets blasted by the cold warrior weapon. Don't worry. He's not seriously injured. Just his pride. But... With those two young whippersnappers out of the way, the old guys get their chance maneuvering the super soldier into the ring room where he is ringed out of the ship and into the atmosphere where inertia and gravity quite effectively eliminate the threat. Goodbye. Bye-bye. In Honduras, Chalo is reanimated by the ancient device and he starts to attack the gorillas violently. In the ensuing mayhem, Jackson and Lee escape Raphael and his compatriots are able to kill Chalo again <laughs> and chase after Jackson and Lee. Lee hides as Jackson leads the guerrilla soldiers away. Jackson is cornered. 
Jackson is shot in the leg. Raphael is there. He's going to kill him. Jackson closes his eyes. He picks up a rock. He's like, no! Shots are fired! <laughs> Opening his eyes, he, he sees Jack standing there over some dead rebel fighters. Jack? Is that you? What are you doing here? And since the dead simply refuse to stay dead... Chalo returns for one last threatening moment. <laughs> but Burke is there to shoot a grenade into Chalo's gut, blowing him up. <laughs> I don't think Telchak's device can do much more with that anymore. Nope. Pink mist. Indeed. Burke and O'Neill reconcile. O'Neill even tells him that he'll recommend Burke to be assigned to someplace temperate. Someplace much better than in the middle of nowhere that is super duper hot and humid and, and hot and jungly. Mm -hmm. They return to the camp and collect Telchak's device. After that, they return home. Back at the SGC, SG-1 is reunited. Samantha tells Hammond that all they did was delay Anubis' ability to create more super soldiers. But unfortunately, he still has an army of thousands of super soldiers. O'Neill congratulates Carter on a successful command. They lock eyes. They blink at each other. They get closer. They <laughs> leave to get lunch in the commissary before the full debrief with General Hammond. Gotta get that green jello. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. Evolution, part two. Mm -hmm. What'd you think? Another good one. Another fun ride. Uh, there was there was definitely parts about it that felt uh, like the uh, like the pacing was wrong or the or the or maybe it was like a little out of place or something. But overall, everything felt like it had its spot and which was pretty impressive because we had um, an A1 and an A2 story in the jungle and a B story. Well, you know, I'm not actually sure which one's the A and the B, but you know, what I'm saying like we had two and a half stories where two of the st three stories where two of them are intertwined, right? Yeah. Uh, and so how it was written, how it was shot was really well done and directed was good. There was definitely like, you know, finding, uh, you know, finding the guy in the jungle and being all like, oh, hey, you're not dead, uh, was a moment of me having to really, unfortunately, I didn't take that moment as a bit of a chuckle moment and more of a like, how is he not eaten by now? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's been days and days, and you're telling me he's been on this trunk of the tree the whole time. Like, no. So it was less charming of a moment, just because I was sitting there like, wait, what, what? And that's a little, that's a little unfortunate because it was a charming moment. It was funny. Yeah. Um, I was really confused as to whether or not I should have remembered Burke from before or not. Um, it wasn't until we were reading the synopsis, actually the the guest actor spot, where I was like, oh, I guess I haven't seen him before. I thought I just forgot him. And I'm like, what mm. episode was he in? Was he in the one where like we stormed the French farm or something? Remember that one? And Oh, um, yeah, no. no. And, you know, right? Was Is he talking about that one? I don't remember that happening like that whatever i guess i just don't remember and turns out i didn't remember um so for some reason that i don't it, it's i think we're kind of getting into the spot of the tv series where uh it gets tough for the writers to introduce a new character in one of the character in one of our main characters past and for me not to assume i'm forgetting something because hmm. there's just that much story right now 
And I remember this happened with Star Trek Next Gen. Like, you know, someone would come along. I mean, it happens all the time for me. And I'm very glad that wikis exist now so that I can be like, (laughs) all right, is this a character I should? Oh, yes, it is a character I should remember. They were were in this episode. Right, 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 right. Um, But, uh, you know, here I was like racking my brain trying to think about it. And so as a result, I was a little bit distracted while it was playing out. And, 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 and towards the end, I guess I kind of was realizing that I suppose I should be looking at this guy in the same light as, uh, the character, I can't remember the name of the character in Braveheart, the movie, but it was, it was the Irishman he was called for the longest time. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh. At, at, at various points, he declares that he has the entirety of the island of Ireland. And I can't remember if it's in the movie or somewhere else that somebody was like, no, actually, yeah, there was like, you know, the King of Ireland went over and fought with the Scots at that time or something. And I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't double checked it. But, you know, but the moment of like, oh, no, no, he was actually telling it straight. It was his island. But he was like crazy. And so at the end of this episode, I guess I was like, oh, I guess he's one of these loose cannon type of people. But I did notice he was sporting the Carter special. No, he had something a little bit different than the Carter special. No, it looked exactly the same as the Carter special. No, because Carter was carrying the Carter special. Nobody said that they can't carry the same gun. Fair enough. Okay. I think they, they were, were never in the same scene together. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so that, anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, and I guess it was kind of the moment where, like, he shows up. <laughs> this This scene truly almost didn't work where he shows up and the actor succeeds in blowing a bubblegum bubble, but it was a little bit of a struggle. And then he pulls the trigger and then the pink mist happens. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it, it might've been a little bit smoother, but I'm being a little, I'm just being a little precious right now. So anyway, so he shows up, blows a bubble, destroys a zombie, at that point, I'm like, okay, right. I really shouldn't be worrying too much about it. Um, and so then his backstory, you know, there was parts about the backstory which just kind of weren't lining up very well. And then it continued to morph and change. Uh, and it felt a little bit forced that he was insistent on uh, telling his story versus just telling his story, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. it, it kind of was this weird way of coming out. Um and uh, it, so as a result, I was just like, I mean, what's going on? Uh, all right. I probably shouldn't care too much. He just literally blew a bubble and, and chucked a grenade inside the torso of a zombie. Boom. Um, so then I decided to just let go and it's fine. Um, so and then I was really impressed with the acting all throughout, which is normal anymore. But like for real, Michael Shanks is especially towards the end. His confusion about why was Jack there felt yeah. very realistic. Yeah. Like. Like he's ex- ja- uh, um, Jackson Daniel is exhausted, starving, dehydrated, and just ran for his life through the jungle. Like he's probably beyond delirious. And so seeing Jack here, what? Am like, I hallucinating? Totally makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Right. And even if, and even when he decides to accept that Jack is actually here, he can't figure out why he's here. <laughs> why are you here? It's for you, you dummy. It's like, ah. like it, that one was that that felt very plausible. That was that was a good moment. I liked it a lot. Um, and you know the, the the so then the B story was 
also suitably captivating, um, but also it kind of felt a good things happen to heroes, but boy, the scenes worked really hard to set everything up perfectly. Like that facility is gigantic. It's gigantic. It was amazing. The visuals were stunning and Jacob and Selmak get into the right spot and that's fine. Like they head on in and are immediately taken to some other like spot. Like part of me was like, don't follow this guy. Like he's about to throw you into the like, you know, repair thing. And now the suit's going to like totally take you over or something. Right. You know, yeah. and you know, it's just happy fortune that the, the biggest bad of the biggest bads shows up in the room at the time to talk to this one guy about a thing that apparently can't wait. Like talk about lucky there, Jacob and Salmac, like really lucky. So that worked out. Uh, the, the, uh, badly do was pretty fun. The badly do being the one specifically on the, uh, on the, 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 what's the ship's name again? The, the Teltac, the Teltac. Thank you. Uh, it was clever and it was resourceful and it did make me wonder where are the safety features in the ringing device because it apparently can be activated in a situation where the ring, I was expecting the rings. So they went down below the ship and I'm like, oh, okay. So it's going there. Okay. That's going to be interesting. And then I was expecting to see the dude materialize. Then I was expecting to see the rings to go back up into the ship and the dude to just, you know, disappear. I wasn't expecting the rings to leave too. So now what's going <laughs> is like, is the ship now like done for like, can't ring anymore until they replace the rings, which I guess makes a degree of sense. But on the other hand, how are you able to turn the thing? That seems like a silly oversight. Hey, speaking of silly oversights. Um, so what happened in the last episode is that the, 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 the super soldier arrives and he's just laying waste to everything. And it's a lucky happenstance that his like battery runs out of juice. I think. And but at the very beginning, yes, uh, he has a pulmonary. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Issue. That's right. Yeah, that's that's his body what it was. gives he out. Dies, he dies. Uh, right. It was extremely lucky, and it just kind of got me thinking. Like, did no one on the Ghoul Wold side of the equation go, "Hey, where's one of our really expensive super soldiers? Like, we got to go get that material back, right? Like, it just felt, um." This one is damaged. I need to repair him. And uh, yeah, there's thousands of them, etc. Maybe they just don't care about the one. But uh, for such a meaningful advanced piece of technology that can literally just wipe the floor with anything that the galaxy has right now, um, you you wouldn't go. Wait a minute. Where's my where's my really expensive super suit? And then go get it. And then go realize you don't have it anymore. Right? You know. What I mean, there was just something about it that just qu- didn't quite feel right. But whatever, that's that's now done. And thank goodness we have it because that now allowed us to get into the facility to discover the situation at large and to reduce the ability for Anubis to keep generating these super soldiers by the destruction of the Queen Gould thing with some good old C4. Solving problems with C4 once again. So, um, and then, yeah, boy, that ending moment. Yeah, it definitely did look like they were going to smoochy smooch, didn't it? And then they were like, you know what I'd rather have? Sandwich. Rather have a sandwich. How much we? How would we get a sandwich? Um. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely kind of pointing out the things that I didn't like, but that's probably because everything else was really good, right? So mm-hmm. 
I really did enjoy the story quite a lot. I thought they did a fine job with the pacing for sure and keeping the story moving along. And the parts of the story that I'm like, wait, what? Didn't really slow it down that much. It just kind of kept kind of rolling right along. Um, So, yeah, generally pretty good. How about you? What do you think about this one? So, you know, I enjoy this episode. I think it's a good episode. Um, I do recall, like, when it first came out and I watched it, I'm like, eh, this is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure I, well, I, I didn't fully appreciate the Chalo experience of him turning into a zombie. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, I apparently have mellowed out in my old age um, <laughs> because I just kind of found it delightful. Sure. Um, you know, it was just, uh, you know, I, I, maybe it's because I, I knew what to expect and, and it happened. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, I don't know. I, I cannot remember why I was kind of grumbly about this episode early, early on. But, you know, it's just kind of a fun episode. Um, I think maybe part of it was uh, this is an episode, and you were kind of mentioning it, uh, that frankly, in both storylines the Honduras story and the Tartarus storylines um things tend to just go right for our heroes Mm -hmm. in very very convenient ways um and that's necessary for a you know 43 minute tv show to some degree but also I was sitting there thinking I'm like oh come on let's not have just everything go perfectly smoothly right Mm-hmm. Um and and even when things went wrong in this episode, uh, it went wrong in a right way. Yeah, if that, if that makes sense. Um, I hope that makes sense. I'm not certain how to describe it. Even. Yeah, I, the 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 there are definitely moments in television where something doesn't work and it just works so poorly that it really brings the whole thing down. I mean, and we talk about that regularly. It's a thing. And then there are there are moments where everything is. And then there are other moments where everything is really, really powerful, as in like the acting is good, the lighting is good, the directing is good or something. And then, the, but there's just something about it that just isn't working. And then I get mad because I get grumpy like that, right? But it's like, it's come on, you had greatness right there, and now it's gone. Ah. Oh. And then there's these other ones where it just kind of felt like the, there's definitely like it's like bumbling, but it didn't bumble in a way that actually harmed the story at all. And so as a result, it's like, yeah, okay, whatever, this happened now. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, but this time around, as I'm watching it, and um, I mean, it's just kind of a roller coaster, right? You just kind of yeah. get in the roller coaster, you strap in, and you you take the ride, and you go left, and you go right, and you go up, you go down, you go around, you do that cool loop-de-loo thing, yeah. and then that corkscrew thing, and then, you know, <laughs> you end up back where you started, and you're like, whew, that was a fun ride. Let's do that again. Um, and, and that's kind of what this felt like to me. Um, you know, there are things that were exciting. There were things that were less exciting. Um, things that in the past I thought didn't work as well, I didn't have a problem with this time around. Um, uh, you know, it, one of the things that I was looking at, just shifting gears a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and I think I mentioned this last time or maybe a couple times ago, this is uh, with the Carter Special. The reason the Carter Special exists is because of the war in Iraq. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually they were talking in the commentary that, uh, the U.S. government was literally asking uh, the, you know, MGM studios here to buy their P90 shells. Oh, yeah. Um, 
you know, because there was a severe shortage of them, and they needed the shells. Obviously, they used blanks in the show, but they used the the, the shell is still the same either way. Yep. Yep. Um. Uh. And so the only one who gets to keep his P ninety is uh, O'Neill. And so this is an episode where he's carrying his P90 and they are being very, very careful about how he's using it and when he actually gets to fire it. Yeah. Because the, he only actually fires it on screen once. And yeah. you see him and he goes like, and he's like, you know, it's like six or 10, 12 bullets go through and that's it. Yep. Um, everything else is is uh, done with the sound effects and all that stuff without it on camera and i was watching that and i was just paying close attention to that this time around and mm-hmm. i'm like oh they did a good job with that of of uh you know realizing that they didn't have the the ability to use this weapon willy-nilly right you can't yep. just have him shoot off a zillion shots and and take seven takes and all of that stuff you know you got one take um and you shoot off 10 rounds and that's it and so you have to get the cameras around, you know, to make sure that you get all the right shots and all of this stuff. Uh, and I found that fascinating that they mm-hmm. that they were able to uh, cut corners like that in a way that, um, knowing that you look carefully at it and you see, like, oh, clearly this is what they're doing. Yeah. But if you didn't know that, it wouldn't you wouldn't process it. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciated that spot. Yeah. Um, you know, um, the the whole. Uh, I, I, you know, I kind of like the idea of O'Neill and Carter, you know, as a couple. Um, I, I wouldn't call myself a shipper in that regard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't care that much. Um, but, uh, you know, those couple of moments in this episode, um, you know, they were nice. And this time around, I'm like, oh, yeah, we haven't done that in a while. Let's, let's. Let's toss that in there so that those particular fans can can get their I, their their bits. Yeah, I was taking that moment to be less about romance and more about um, how a couple of extremely close colleagues and friends who have a bit of romantic tension were still finding ways to express how much they care about each other. Like, um, and so. But I mean, I get it. I mean, I, 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 it's absolutely easy to read both of those glances, uh, at those eye locks, as uh, you know, things are starting to heat up between those two again. I mean, that's definitely the standard way to look at it. Um, I guess I'm just kind of expanding my way of understanding how people interact. I guess is is what I'm driving at. Where I guess it's you know, it's like how would you uh, how would you show on screen uh the develop the emotional development of people who actually care for each other quite a lot and aren't necessarily interested in going on a date but like you know still care tremendously about each other and i bet i'm wrong i bet you that it was intended to kind of toss a little bit more fuel on the fire of hmm? is this a thing is uh, is this is this a thing no nah, they're just going to get a sandwich like i think that that's the better read i think my read is not the one that they intended but I was taking that moment to be less, well, as I said, less about the romance, more about the, you know, I don't know, let's explore this. Yeah, they are two people who uh, very much care about each other quite a lot, and they are expressing that care. And, you know, I mean, 
I guess it might be easy to confuse as romance as romance to somebody on the outside. I don't know. I I just I, I guess I found myself not willing to not necessarily willing, but I was totally willing to give them far more latitude about how they express their emotions than just the standard look. You two are of the opposite sex, and therefore, if you look at each other with those eyes, it means one thing and one thing only. And if you're not willing to do that, well, then you shouldn't be looking at each other. Like I, I you know. So. Uh- so here's here's my take on on this. Um, these are two people who definitely care about each other. They even have some kind of romantic feelings towards each other mm-hmm. in some capacity. Um, but they are also professionals mm-hmm. who know that, given their professional status at the time. Um, that is a no-no, and they're not going to do this. And mm-hmm. yet, every so often, you still see that moment when they look at each other and they think, maybe? Sure. Maybe? Uh, maybe? Um, you know, and, and for my money, um, you know, I, I think you know, I'm okay with that tension, that, that, that not-quite-on tension. Um, I wouldn't have a problem if it develops into something more. Um, Now I'm going to say that sentence in a different way. I don't have a problem if slash when it develops something more. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now I'm going to say that a different way. I wouldn't have a problem (laughs) if it didn't develop more. I'm saying that in multiple ways because I know know the answer to that question. You don't. No. And I guess what I'm kind of driving at is that I guess I just don't care, which is really interesting to me. I mean, it's tremendously interesting to me, honestly. Like, sure, or whatever, or no, or times 10. I mean, you know, like, it's, it's fine. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the fascinating thing is that, uh, you know, there's definitely and has been, you know, since basically the beginning of the series, a group of fans who have been wanting those two to get together yeah. uh, from the very beginning. And this is another spot where the writers and the actors say, here's a little tease, but so I'm not going to give you what you want right now. Every show that has um, fulfilled the tease between characters suddenly finds themselves in a bad spot because the dynamic between those two characters, though, you know, this is a hypothetical too, though I'm thinking of several specific examples of other television shows. Every uh, minute of that chemistry is about the tension. And the minute you relieve the tension, you got to come up with a new dynamic. And sometimes it works, but you have to come up with a new dynamic. Yeah. Like, and if you don't have a dynamic that works, you just shot that thing in the foot. And it's interesting to me how long, uh, let me rephrase that. It's interesting to me how often, how many times that kind of romantic tension can be explicitly drawn out on screen and it drives fans nuts. And yet they still stay, the, the fans still stay put. Like they, they, they're mad but they're still watching. Yeah. Like, 
Uh, you can't do it indefinitely because then you just then it just wears you out. Um, but it, you know, fans will sit there for a long time. They'll sit there for a long time waiting for this thing to happen. A so, very long time. There are a lot of shows out there that have this tension, and because they want to keep this tension, um, you know, bring the 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 characters to the brink of having a relationship and then they pull them back yep. and they bring yep. them back to the brink of that relationship and they pull it back um and eventually that simply breaks you can't do that anymore you have yeah, I, you know but and, and then and then they fall just saying, and then they fall into that spot of uh, like oh okay now they have a relationship and one of two things happen either the relationship utterly fails because everything is built on that tension and the yes. writers don't know how to write different types <laughs> of tension without living and live together for a while and then they get mad at each other and they break up. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> or it totally ruins the story and it derails everything. Yes, totally. Um, I think this is actually, whether it was intentional or not, I don't know, but I think that they do a good job as the writers for this relationship of never quite letting it get to a spot where it's so hot that you either have to let it finish baking or uh, yeah, just yeah. turn everything off and walk away. Yes. Um, That's a good way to say it. And and so they, they haven't up to this point in time, we'll have to wait and see what happens in the future, uh, gotten to that spot. And uh, I, I think that's, um, that's a good way of handling it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, if something happens in the future, slash when something happens, if, when, who knows, uh, right. something happens, then for my money, it feels more natural, it would feel more natural, um, given uh, this kind of more human dynamic than, than the, the sitcom version or, you know, drama between two people that need to have the sexual tension without the release. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, those are my two thoughts. Uh, more than two thoughts, two cents. <laughs> but yeah, this was a good one. Yeah. Um, there's not a whole lot to to chew on in terms of philosophy or anything. Nope. Um, nope. You know, we, we ratchet up the bad guy. Uh, so, you know, we now have Anubis with not just a few super soldiers, which would be bad enough. He's got thousands of super soldiers, which mm-hmm. is a problem. Um, and, but but we have Telchak's device that maybe, maybe in the future we have something that can at least slow them down. Oh, yeah. So there's oh. a lot of story going on here. Um, We're totally talking about using it as, a, as, a, as the potential for weaponry. But, uh, hey, I mean, we've got the original. Yeah. We don't know how to use the original. And it clearly turns dead people into zombies. So that's bad. Yeah. But maybe, maybe it was just because we had the settings wrong. Well, I mean, it was a problem thousands of years ago, too. We've, we, we've gotten smart. Well, I don't know. That, that might or might not be true. <laughs> Surely society has advanced. I mean, come on. Just look outside. Uh, well, advanced technologically and advanced in intelligence are not the same thing. My car... Right. Intelligence, can, maybe not, but wisdom. <laughs> my car can, can almost drive itself almost. Yeah. Almost. Almost. Unless the, unless the situations are just a little too challenging. But anyway. Anyway, anyway we've got some good so, stuff coming up, don't we? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Uh, and it will begin with next week's episode. But before we get there... <laughs>
<laughs> nice. I need I like that. your ratings for this episode. All right. So, um, the, the goofy, I'll call them goofy, right? So the, the spots that I was mentioning that kind of didn't really work very well, I'm going to call them goofy. Um, I thought that, that the guide was alive was a little goofy. I thought that the way that, uh, Burke's story was kind of brought about was a little bit goofy. Um, how he turns into, um, almost a comic relief was a little bit goofy, uh, the way that Anubis suddenly showed up at the exact right time to allow the plan to continue was a little goofy. Uh, the way that they solved the problem with C4, a little goofy. But it didn't derail it ever. <laughs> like, none of those <laughs> things actually broke the story at all. And so as a result, I had a really good time with it. Um, uh, all of the goofy parts keep me off of a seven for sure. But I, yeah, this is a six. Um, lots of fun. Uh, very enjoyable to watch. The, the the time flew by as far as from my point of view was concerned. I mean, it was it was just a delightful story, and it was it it moved it moved the meta story forward. It was a good time. So yeah. six out of seven for me. Six what out of seven. You? Yeah. Um, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with six out of seven. It's just a little mm-hmm. bit better. Um, for me than than the first episode. I think. Um, this is an episode that does a really good job of resolving the problems that they set up in the previous episode. Um, without yes. making it feel hokey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what um, I say too. You know, so it's really, you know, it, it, it's, is it a perfect episode? No, it's not that seven out of seven for me, but it is a good solid episode. It does a lot to set things up in the future, um, which I appreciate. It uh, doesn't fall flat on its face after setting things up in the previous episode. Um, and, you know, the hokey things that you talked about, um, you know, we're just kind of part of the Peter DeLuise charm. Yeah, that's kind of, that is a bit of it. Yeah, so, it, it worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Brent, we have some yeah. predictions. Yes, we do. Um, Got a couple on Twitter here. Oh, I yeah. can't wait to hear. All right. So first we have Eric. Hi, Hi Eric. Eric. Is Eric so he, new? He says, I don't remember Eric's name before, but that don't, that doesn't say, that doesn't mean anything. Okay. Well, hi, Eric. Hello, Eric. So Eric says, Brent had toast. I did not have toast. But hey, a Stargate zombie. Five stars. Pretty close. Zach, with a four and a half Chevron rating for the same except the toast. Being too long to remember, being too long to remember details for a personal rating. Oh, I see. I totally misread that word. It's Ben. Ben too long to remember details for a personal rating, but I've always found this two-parter to be fun. Welcome back, chaps. Missed you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Eric. And then we have Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. He says, hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. I predict that Brent will be able to read the predictions here much faster than Zach will be able to read the Facebook predictions. See you on Facebook. Well, but yeah, you're right. That's because there's a lot. He talks a lot. So <laughs> That's all I got on the Twitters. All right. So on Facebook, um, we're going to start with Rowan here. Hi, Rowan. Rowan begins with, sorry, this is a long one. Okay. Okay, here we go. The kidnappers don't believe Jackson is a real archaeologist, probably because of how good he looks with his shirt off, and because this all feels like some Indiana Jones nonsense. It's the 21st century. Jackson, you can't just go looting artifacts from wherever you feel like. We'll forgive it's you true. this time because you're especially good in this episode, and so are your arms. <laughs> I mean, yeah, his arms are pretty great. Oh, yeah. After exchanging a soulful look with Carter 
in case we forgot that was still a thing, O'Neill is off to rescue Jackson with the help of this week's Hey, It's That Guy. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. Pandora's box is already open, releasing bad vibes into the world. You just know that after this, Lee is going to submit a formal request to never be sent on field assignments (laughs) again. I don't want anything to do with you or your program or your artifacts or your guerrilla warfare. I'm out. Yep. And and, uh, they continue, no, but really, why is he here? That's a good question. There is no clear reason other than they wanted Lee. Uh, Lee shouldn't have gone on this trip in the first place. Yeah, that's that's a good read. Um, Meanwhile, Carter and Dad hatch a plan to infiltrate the Death Star, where Darth Vader is building an (laughs) army of cloned stormtroopers. And I am sorry, but there is no way that's... Carmen Argenziano in that armor. That's true. It is not. It is actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. (laughs) It's lighter than you think. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. It makes you look at least 30 years younger. (laughs) And Dan Payne is like 6'3". And yeah. that armor gives him an extra four inches or something like that. Oh, and yeah, okay. Carmen Argenziano is like 5'9", like 5'10". Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, continuing. Uh, as soon as I finally... Uh, so, I am sure he's very fit for 60, but it's about as believable as a valuable <laughs> Gould queen being left unattended. Or a guy who's been shot and laying alone in the jungle for several days with his hands bound together, looking clean and relaxed and healthy, content to chew some gum and wait for rescue. Yes. (laughs) Those are some good. I love American gum. Those are good. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Also, Teal'c is there. Yeah, Yeah, Teal'c was there. They continue. This episode is good overall, but not amazing. The writing of the Honduran characters feels vaguely racist in ways that are harder to get past now than they were 20 years ago. Mm. Still, there are enough good moments to earn a pair of sixes from Brent and Zach. Bingo, right on the money. Oh, there you go. You nailed it. This episode has an IMDb rating of 8.2, which is five chevrons. Uh, putting it in the top 25% of Stargate episodes overall. Rowan, you nailed it! You got it right! All right. All right, now we have Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Kevin says, Hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. Man, this is a great one. You have David Duchovny, Sean William Scott, and Orlando Jones fighting rapidly evolving aliens from a meteorite. Wait, (laughs) what? We aren't talking about the 2001 sci-fi comedy evolution? Oh. Nope. My mistake. I'll start over. (laughs) I saw that movie for the first time three years ago. I don't know if I've ever seen that movie. Worth your time, but get ready for a ride. So, speaking of awful movies, that's not... Last night, Julie and I watched Avalanche Sharks, which is a 2015 movie about Mm -hmm. sharks on a ski resort that can like swim through the snow <laughs> and are mystical and they eat people. And okay, of course. And oh and, and, and there is and, and there's this like bikini spring break competition thing at the ski resort. At the ski resort. Of course. Um now I appreciate a good bad movie. <laughs> yeah. Was this a good bad movie? No. It was no. a bad, bad movie? No, this is a bad, bad movie. 
Nah, that's a bummer. Uh, but if you do want a good bad movie, find The Velocipaster. The, the Velocipaster, Velocipaster is, is a good, good bad, movie. bad movie. It's a great bad movie. It is a great bad movie. And if you're not certain you're going to like it, just watch the first four minutes of it. If oh, yeah. That, that, after yeah. four mm-hmm. minutes you think, nope, this isn't for me, you'll know, and you can stop it then. It's because it doesn't get any better. <laughs> <laughs> It does get more weird, it does. but it doesn't get any better. Yes. Okay, so um, all that is an aside. Let's return to Kevin. He's starting yes. over. Hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. Hi, Man, hi, this Kevin. is a great one. Jacob infiltrating Anubis's base using the old radioactive isotope bit. Yep. Fools them every time. And then every Jack day. going on a rescue <laughs> mission with Agent Backstory. I, I mean, Agent Burke. <laughs> Yep, yep, right in the money. Uh, and, and now he's got some he's got some questions uh, about this. The first one is actually to Rowan. Uh, uh, first question is for you, Rowan. Are archaeologists usually as ripped as Daniel? Um, and there's a big long conversation, and I don't know if I will read all of it, but uh, I'll read some of it. Question number two: <laughs> How much Spanish does Jack actually know? Mm-hmm. Last season it was French, and now Spanish. Number He's three, does American gum really taste better than non-American gum? Number four, yeah. after Jacob gets out of that tight black super soldier suit, where did he get those clothes from? Yeah, they, they, yeah. they packed, a, packed a bag. Really, Carter? You really needed to use the loud gun to kill the ghouls right in the room next to thousands of super soldiers? And come on, Tilk, you easily could have just zatted him a second time so that Carter didn't have to shoot him. Yeah. I'll take that as an assumption that, that uh, Thoth was wearing some sort of armor. He did appear to have something on that meant the, the Zat gun was about as effective against him as it would have been against a super soldier. That's fair. That's how I took that. Um, he needed to get, then get Zatted in the face. Yep. So, and of course, this, is, this has one of my all-time favorite scenes when friend of the show Braytech activates the ring transporter mid-flight and we get to see the rings fly away, taking the super soldier with it. That is a pretty cool That was scene. kind of fun. Mm-hmm. A great episode, and I predict a pair of sixes from Zach oh, and Kevin Brent. Oh, Kevin got a two! Good job, Kevin! Indeed! Kevin, you got it right! All right. Rowan responds to Kevin's questions. About ripped archaeologists. Most archaeologists drink a lot of beer and spend a lot of time in front of computers, so... Less ripped. Yeah. Um, and there is a lovely conversation there that all y'all are welcome to read as you wish. Yeah. Join the Facebook. Don't join the Facebook. I hate Facebook. Whatever. It's there. Hey, if you're already there, go ahead and join it. Be part of the community. If you're not there, you know, we got other options if you want. Or if yes. you want to join. I mean, you know, you got, you got choices. All right. We have some emails. The first email is from Dan. Hi, Dan. You guys are crazy, man. <laughs> I kind of hope we see Burke again. But, uh, yeah, SG1 is crazy. Yep. Evolution as a whole gets a five and a half from me. A five from mm-hmm. Brent because of mm-hmm. all the n- narrative creation. And a five and a half from Zach because of how this impacts the overall story. 
Sorry to be brief, but working some overtime at work on this Saturday morning, I got to go pretend to know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, hey, you know I what? That's 80% of the job right it. there. Yep. Hey, uh, you know, if you uh, recalibrate the splines on that one, it'll totally uh, start to matriculate with its uh, hyperactive uh, recombinator uh, co- uh, compound. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Dan. Uh, our next email is from Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly. Kimberly says, got an army uh, FTX. You know, my ability to uh, understand, I don't know if that's army fix or if it's FTX is a, an acronym for something, but there it is. I don't know. I'll look into that. Yep. Uh, got an army FTX this weekend, but wanted to get in my predictions before I have to go dark. Good build-up episode. Think you'll enjoy it. Six out of six for Brent and Zach. Kimberly got it right, too. Yes. Holy cow. Congratulations, Kimberly. Congratulations. So FTX stands for Field Training Exercise. Ah, there you go. So she's got an army FTX this weekend. That makes sense. You go do your thing. Hopefully you come back safely. And I have no idea what field training exercises actually means. Because... I, they shoot Carter specials with blanks in the woods. Sweet. So okay. All right. <laughs> um <laughs> while filming shows. <laughs> At various points they get asked to stand over there next to some big giant ring thing and then they have to look astonished while blue lights blink at them for a little bit and then they go about their 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 day. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so, um we have Justin Hi, Justin. Here we go. <laughs> oh, poor Zach. I told you I'd be Bach, but I lied. Oh. I'm hiding in the jungles oh. of Vancouver. Oh, gosh, that's terrible. There is a tender moment where Daniel Jackson's estranged parents, Sam and Jack, have the awkwardly tender moment where they want to say it, but their son and their his friend lost in the woods. Uh, again, that's that's a reference, and I can't think of what it is a reference to. Uh, y- yeah. <laughs> again, you, you're gone off on a different path than mine. I'm left behind, wondering if I should follow. Jack had to go, uh, and of course, it's always fine. I probably will blow up something tomorrow. But is this what it feels like to be growing apart? When did Burke become the one who's always chasing Jack's heart? Now I turn around and find I am lost in the woods, north to south, right is left. When you're gone, Jackson's still an archaeologist. Look, an artifact. And I don't know what the heck it does. I'm lost in the woods. Up till now, the next step has a question of how... I never thought their guide was still alive, been injured. Who is Woods? 
if Burke's not your guy. Who is Chalo? Don't matter, he's dead. Forever? Uh, now I know you're my true north, cause I am lost in the woods. Up is down, day is night. When you're not there, oh, your animated flesh. So I'm lost in the woods, wondering if you still care. But I'll wait for a sign that I'm on your path because you are mine and till then I'm lost in the woods <laughs> I'm lost in the woods I'm lost in the woods yep Okay, that. so I lied again. I'm Robert Lopez and Christine Anderson Lopez, the award-winning songwriting duo from Frozen. Yes. Be glad I was originally going to channel Hope and Crosby from the Road 2 series, but a uh, series of classic buddy musical comedies. You're welcome. <laughs> so I have uh, blessedly um, been rested myself free from... Uh, the musical earworms of Frozen 2 because I'm like, I can't remember the melody for that thing, which is funny because that was my favorite song in the whole movie. Uh-huh. So there you go. There's you, that, know, that. you know what I have never seen? Let me guess. You haven't seen Frozen or Frozen 2. I have seen pieces of Frozen, but okay. I have never seen the whole thing. And that's I good. have seen none of Frozen 2. That's, that's fine. I've seen both yes. many times. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, our, our good friend, Justin, invites us, uh, uh, concludes this with, you're welcome. Ah, thank you, Justin. And then he continues, I'm sticking with SG69er for Brent because of <laughs> Space Sauron and nice 6.5 <laughs> for Zach, although even Very before close. I hear his read-through of this, I'll give him personally eight chevrons for being a better friend to me than Burke was to Woods. <laughs> Justin and I would be lying if I hadn't thought about things. Oh, oh, ouch. Ooh, oh, harsh. No, 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 I would no, never no, do no, that no, to no, you, no, Justin. You're not. too good a friend. Yeah, also, Justin's not a traitor. Well, he is the GM. Yeah, but that's different. Okay. You're supposed to be a traitor when you're the GM. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll, 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 I'll let it slide. Yes. All right. Uh, we have David. Hi, David. David has the Chevron encoding bias buffer has evolved to become an unstoppable nightmare of bias buffering. Oh, no. And the Chevron oh, no. encoding bias buffer is is like big print in, in like four different lines, and it's just... You can go through my shields like, no problem. I oh, know. no. Yeah. The new super soldier is actually an army of super soldiers under Anubis. Ah! Ah! Zombie! Ah! Ah! Anubis... Thoth, explosions, guns, traveling to other planets and blowing sh uh, stuff up. 
Heroes rescued, enemies defeated, uh, maybe? Uh, a new way to get rid of a stowaway? And everyone gets together for lunch at the end. What's not mm-hmm. to like? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Problem is, the parts are greater than the whole, and plot holes mm-hmm. and problems abound. To name a few, Doctors Jackson and Lee don't look like they've been starving or and tortured for days. True. Rogelio is alive? Jacob has seen this particular identical-looking super soldier before. Burke? Who cares about this Burke guy? There's a lot of good stuff between these two episodes, some very important developments and ramifications for the future, and there's a lot of filler. Really, the whole point of these two episodes was to give us the Cull Warriors and a mid-season cliffhanger. I could have been... uh, It could have been better, though. I'm not a big fan of fan edits of anything, mainly because I respect the creator's vision in most cases. But seriously, this whole idea could have been re-edited and cut down to one episode and given us the same outcome Mm -hmm. or just plain old rewritten. All we needed from this was the Cull Warrior, uh, and we got them. I do actually like this episode, but it was a lot of, in hindsight, issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I have to move on to the next thing and make my fan-edited promo for the next uh, episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ironic? <laughs> Hypocritical? Maybe. No, 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 no. We can't find the originals. Ah, well, there you go. Predictions. Brent... Six chevrons because yes. there are two. There are there were a few too many. Hey, wait a minute! Moments. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> um, yep. Zach. Yeah. Five and a half chevrons Ooh, because so maybe close. he did not like it as much as I thought he was going to like it last week. Yep. Well. Well, there you go. There you go. Very close, David. But uh, I gave it a six, and yep. Brent also gave it a six. Yep. So. Those are our predictions. Awesome. Thank Thank you very much, everybody. And now, Brent. Yes. It is time to begin the process of moving through the rest of the season. Mm Mm-hmm. And this process uh, begins with the next episode, right? Because that makes sense. The next episode is called Grace. Mm Mm-hmm. And I ask you, my dear friend, what is Grace all about? Grace. I was about to screw up my own intro. All right. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team traveled through the gate to find themselves in a strange world. It is another world that seems similar to one of the worlds that they have visited in the past, in that everyone that they seem to encounter is sing-songy. It appears that they have stumbled on a civilization of people that communicate mostly through song. Quite charming, but uh, it's also a little distracting at times. And they find themselves thrust into the politics of a couple of warring factions. The individuals in question seem to be uh, struggling over the uh, the 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 hearts and minds of the individuals that are populating the area, and uh, it seems at first to be relatively normal politicking. But for what outcome, it's very unclear. And then the clarity starts to set in. The individuals that seem to be most taken up in this effort are very young. And those that they are trying to impress are also very young. And they all are part of this particular grouping over here, which is 
Oh, it's their version of a school. Oh, I see. Oh, and they have hot rods? Where did those come from? I don't know. Grace is the word, is the word, is the motion. Gra oh, grace. Oh, not grease. Oh, oh, shoot. I got it all screwed up. Oh, well. Join us next time as Brent tries to make a better joke on Stargate <laughs> SG-1. Grace. I thought this was going to be John Travolta stranded at the drive-thru. If John Travolta is in high school in that movie, um, <laughs> then Dr. Lee deserves to be in Honduras. That's also very true. And I like to point to the movie adaptation of Grease. Was the musical out first before the movie? Whatever. Uh, probably, anyway. I don't remember. Uh, I like to point to that as m the biggest reason why I don't like musicals generally. It's that it's just musicals on stage, for some reason, make way more sense to me <laughs> than musical movies. Because the movies, of course, have to take place in the real world. And then, therefore, when John Travolta sits on a <laughs> swing <laughs> and starts crooning, it's like, wait, what's going on? Where's the music? Where's their orchestra? Where'd they just come from? Why is he singing? So, anyway, there's probably um, no John Travolta I, I, in this episode. I would just like to point out that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, breaking out in song is a realistic thing that happens in the world um, to me and to many other people out there. In any case. I, I, and I'm sure y'all have a fine time. Are, are we going to have song breaking out in Grace? Um, I don't recall. Okay. Uh, I don't think so. Probably not. But... We can watch the promo and find more information. Yes, okay. All right, I am hitting play now. Next time on Stargate SG. Hey, it's the Prometheus. It's it a is. The Delta. No. Yes, sir. Executing Delta. Oh, no! Oh, oh, oh. Oh, the big bad ship is shooting. Injured during an unprovoked attack. Oh! Ow! Carter awaits Ow! To find yourself utterly alone. Oh no. But is she truly by herself? What? If you sleep, you will die. Oh no. Oh. Play with me. It's all next time on Stargate SG-1. Oh, oh, no. So, I'm excited for our Carter-heavy episode. Yeah. Yep. It's going to be it, fun. Uh, without spoiling too much, it is a Carter-heavy episode. That's good. Um, and that will all be next week. Yes. So Looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you, David, for the promos. Yes, Appreciate thank you, David. it. And uh, thank you all for your comments and your thoughts. If you have more things to say about this episode or any of the episodes that we have done in the past or will do in the future, you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Of course, talk to us on Twitter and Facebook and Discord and, and go to the website and all of that stuff. And just join the community. And if you want, uh, go to patreon.com slash walkingthroughthestargate and join us there as well. Yep. But however it is that you participate in this little community that we call Walking Through the Stargate, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.